0: Welcome to Inspired by Her, the podcast that will give you the inspiration, motivation and tips for success from some of the top executives, CEOs and influencers from around the globe with your host, serial entrepreneur and named one of the most influential Filipina in the world, Kate Hancock.
1: Hi, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to the show. And today I have Natasha Miller. Hi, Natasha. Hello. Hello. Hi, and um, Natasha is the founder of Entire Production. Natasha, can you tell us more about your company?
0: I sure can, I can tell you about what it was like before March and I can tell you what it's like now. (laughs) Yes. So Entire Productions is an event and entertainment production company based in San Francisco. Um, We provide entertainment of every genre and every discipline from uh, local talent to headliners to large scale corporate events, mostly. We also plan uh, corporate events from um, beginning to end. So we have two divisions. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, um, events aren't happening and they're not going to be happening in, in person uh, for quite some time, who knows how long. But if you ask Mark Zuckerberg, um, they're not doing events until July of next year. And Facebook is one of our clients. And so our all the other big tech uh, companies so um, now we're doing virtual events um, that have an entertainment and a design component Um, so I'm excited about that Um, it's new to us but we are
1: um, all of a sudden experts wow wow so you're pivoting your events to virtual now yes wow now, um, I I was reading your bio, Natasha, you, you did an amazing job. You said that you're an accidental entrepreneur. So can can you tell me how did you become like from an artist to built this multi-million dollar business? What was the switch? I, I'm not sure if it was a switch. So um, I was a classically trained
0: violinist and a jazz vocalist. And I was performing, I've been performing um, professionally, when I say professionally, like it, you know, a couple hundred dollars here and there since I was fifteen. Wow. Um, and I'm not sure if I had the natural innate talent um in interest of being an entrepreneur. But um unfortunately, um, I have been living on my own since I was sixteen. So I had to make a living um and pay my bills and pay rent and figure out how to turn on electricity and gas. So I think um, it kind of forced me into the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. I had to make money and I was going to make money doing all the things that I knew how to do. And I was going to learn how to do a bunch of other things. So it's, I think I'm an entrepreneur by survival method only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way I, I I parlayed my performing into this bigger than me um, event company was um, I would be, let, let's say you're getting married and you called me and you wanted me to perform mm-hmm. But I was already booked for a gig. Most musicians and most talent would say, oh, sorry, I'm booked that night. Sorry. Thanks for calling. But I said, "Um, I'm not available for you, but I can bring in another group that's as good as I am, probably better, and manage them. So I've been doing that since I was about 19, but officially since 2001, uh, that was the (laughs) 2001 was the year I got a business license uh, to do it.
1: Wow! Wow, that's amazing. I would love to talk to you more about that. It's something that I did too when I did a lot of experiential marketing.
0: Uh, like I
1: would get some gig and I'll give it to some of my friends. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, uh, Natasha, uh, can you tell me what was the town or city like um, you grew up in? Like mm, Des
0: Moines, Iowa. Hmm. So Des Moines is the big city. In um Iowa, which is known to have farms and a lot of um, agriculture, but i didn't grow up anywhere near a farm, so mm-hmm. I know no more about farming than somebody that grew up in the middle of Chicago or New York knows um, It was pretty it was really safe and beautiful, lots of green grass I remember like the things that if if I had to recall I miss are like the the smell of fresh cut grass and you know thunderstorms and um you know, corn on the cob in July and June, and well, actually, knee high on the 4th of July. So, corn would come out in August or September. Um, it was just a really good place to grow up. There was um, free music education in the school districts. So, every school had, um, you could take any instrument for free and you could be oh. in a symphony or, or an orchestra. And in California, we don't have that at all. Oh. So, I was the lucky recipient of
1: having that free music education. Wow, wow. And so, uh, what moment from you, your childhood are you most proud of? Um, can you say that again? It was breaking up just a bit. So, sorry. Uh, what moment from your childhood are you most proud of? Oh, proud of. So, childhood, that's
0: young. I think I'm proud of the sister that I was to my two brothers. I really helped take care of them and love them so much. But later in life, um, just a little bit later in college, I was the concert master for a symphony orchestra and uh, a great um, African-American um, opera singer, Simon Estes was the guest um, performer. And it was just, it was pretty magical
1: that I got to share a stage with somebody like him. Wow. And so, um... Tell me your very first big event when you started your company um, or your first client. Can you share me?
0: Gosh, first client. I mean, my first clients, um, so I played uh, with the string quartet for Jane Smiley, who's a Pulitzer Mm. Prize uh, winning um, writer for one of her book launches. Actually, it was a a launch. uh, It was a party celebrating her Pulitzer Prize um and then we got to play for um a set uh, a group of men that were uh prisoners of war and they came back uh to freedom and there was a a reception for them that was amazing and when i was 15 i think i played for our governor of des moines inauguration mm-hmm. so um you know those things are the ones that stick out of my mind as, and and those were clients, but later in life, you know, we ended up having, you know, much bigger uh, names. And, um, one of the biggest corporate clients I landed in 2001, um, which I still have today, which is Mm -hmm. amazing is Oakland city center. Mm -hmm. It is a retail, um, It's got five office buildings and they all spill out at lunch into this retail plaza. Mm -hmm. And we have a concert series. It used to happen every single week of the year, but now it happens from June to the end of October. Um, So I'm really proud of that 19, 20 years of doing that.
1: Wow. Now, um, can you tell me the journey you know how do you get into the Inc. 5,000 list? I mean, that's huge. I was able to, you know, attend one of those um, conference. It was really amazing. How does that feel when your name was in that big screen?
0: Right. First of all, I'm <laughs> telling you right
1: now. Just
0: okay. So I, the story is actually very interesting. I applied for the first time, mm-hmm. and I had you have no idea if you can make the list because it's it's. There are so many different things that go into it. How many people apply? What are their revenues? And then they crunch the numbers. So there's no way for you to know. But I got a call from a writer from Inc. uh, the first year that we were um, on the list. And she said, we don't know if you're a winner yet, but you scored really high on the Gallup Finder as a delegator. So I want to interview you. And if you make the list, then you'll probably make this um, article, but I'm not sure. So, I mean, just to get that call and do that, that interview with her. And she was very, very smart. So that was really exciting to me to talk to someone who had been writing this column for years. And then I got the notice that um, we were on the list, but of course they don't tell you what number you're on. Mm-hmm. At this point, I could have been 5,000. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that was exciting, but I still didn't know if the article was going to run in the magazine Right. Wow. So they send you, they send all the recipients a box with the magazine in it with some balloons and confetti and some fun things in the press release about a week before the magazine hits the stands. And I remember um, getting a call from the front desk saying that my a package was there and I opened it there in front of them. And I like yelled out, Oh my gosh. Everyone was like, What is going on? I'm like, I made the ink 5000 list, and not only did I make the list, and I was like 2,500 or something I don't remember my number, but you can look it up. Um, I opened the magazine, and it fell open to an illustration of my face because um, I was in the interview, I was in that article, Mm -hmm. but there was a gatefold, and there was something in the magazine that you know, when you open a magazine, like the flyers come out, you know, to order the magazine in the future. This one had a gatefold. So it just naturally opened to
1: me. So that was really cool. Wow. 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 That's, that's, that's just, um, that's inspiring. Now I know for you to get there, what kind of challenges that you have to go through?
0: (laughs) Well, um, the challenges for me really in San Francisco Bay area. Mm -hmm. So we had, what I had going for me that wasn't such a challenge is that I had access to all the talent and the artists. Mm -hmm. Um, for some reason I, I was innately good at systems and processes and created a system so that I could do a lot. So we're a high volume, but high touch company.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What I think my biggest challenge is, um, being able to interview and know what to look for in person and people finding that talent, um, hiring them and then managing them. I would say I have a lot of room for growth in, in that department. So, but of course it's the people that work with you that make it so that you can be on the Inc 5,000. You really can't probably hit that list if you're a solo mm-hmm. entrepreneur. I mean, maybe you can, but I don't think so.
1: Yeah. That's, that's going to be hard. Well, um, and, um, how did you come up with your company name? Tell me the story.
0: Well, that is yet another interesting story. So I was working um, at a pre-press company, which you probably don't know what that is because I think you might be younger than me. And um, so pre-press was a a company that would put together um, art and make Match prints for artists to look at and make sure that color and everything is correct before it goes to print. Um, And I met a couple of graphic designers and programmers, and I had started coding a website um, that year in HTML. I think Mm. this was 1995, 96. And we, a a friend of mine, Stacy, and I went to go pitch to a, a Chinese venture capital firm and to tell them that we could create their website. This is before, like, UPS didn't even have a website like I was thinking I was asking my dad hey should I buy these domain names for all these companies and at the time like very few people were online and I don't remember what he said but I didn't end up buying the URLs but wouldn't that have been amazing anyway I had to come up with a company name for this pitch that we were doing so having nothing to do with music or event production um, it just occurred to me to call it entire productions uh I think the reason why I used that name was because we were pitching to this company to translate their site not only in English but in Mandarin and Cantonese. Mm-hmm. Now, do I speak those languages no did did Stacy no, but we were going to get a translator. We were gonna do the design we were gonna do the programming the entire thing, so I think that's where it came up with. So when I started my company officially in two thousand and one um having nothing to do with website design and such. I just recycled the name and we've grown into it because in 2001, what we did was we programmed entertainment into events, but now we do everything. Mm -hmm. So the entire thing. So it makes sense. And a lot of people thought um, as we were doing entertainment production that, Oh, you're an event planner. I'm like, no, we're not an event planner, but they're like, but your name is entire productions, which means you do everything. I'm like,
1: so now I can say yes. Yes. Wow. You're doing a lot of things under that belt. How do you keep it organized? How, do you have a lot of teams that do this department? I mean, it seems like you're doing a lot. It's a little smoke and mirrors, honestly. No, I'm, I think our systems
0: are amazing. So I built a system within Salesforce that runs our company Mm-hmm. Um, from the moment you come into our domain, like as soon as you email or call, um, you go into our system and then every single step that happens in planning an event until well after the end is, um, all the things that are repeatable are automated and all the things that need to be high touch were there for you. Wow. So, um, that's why we can do 19 to 25 events, um, on one day in the holiday season. Last year, we did 600 events. The year before, we did 777. Oh my so God. Um, the system that I built within Salesforce keeps track of all of that. And then there's training for my team um, to, you know, enter the inputs that make it necessary for all the outputs to go out.
1: Wow. 600 events in... Uh... During the holiday. That's just amazing. That's not, like, I mean, that was all- the whole
0: year. We did maybe 150 events in December alone.
1: Wow. We have a lot to learn <laughs> from you. Well, Natasha, um, what do you think is your strength? My strength. Um, I am probably one of the most
0: resilient people you'll ever meet. Um, I know there are a lot of us around that around uh, that have a lot of resilience. But um, speaking of like this this COVID time, um, a profitable multi-million dollar company that really went to zero revenue in like overnight in March um, could have really stomped on my spirits and just rendered me like helpless and like I give up. So that first week, week and a half, two weeks was pretty traumatizing and scary. Um, but then I woke up one day and I was just full of energy and the creativity and the ideation just started popping all over the place. And I came up with a couple of ideas uh, to do a virtual event and then I just, just been totally on fire since then. Um, so I think that shows the resiliency and I I feel like the way I'm put together, I'm sort of built for challenges and when things are going great and things are going, you know, the revenue's coming in, the margins are there, that's cool and I'm proud
1: of that, but it doesn't like fire me up. Hmm. Can you tell me about your family? Is there anyone in your family who's like that entrepreneurship mindset? Tell me.
0: I am I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Um I think my grandmother Uh, who since passed away, is an interesting person to look at because she had three children, she was married, and then her husband died when she was 40. Mm -hmm. And she then went back and got her master's degree at 42. So being a female and back in that time and leading that way, that's kind of an entrepreneurial move, right? And then she was an author of some books, and then she went on to be um, a school teacher um, at coll- at the college level, uh, teaching education. Um, but it's my dad, my uncle, my mother, they were not entrepreneurs. So um,
1: I think maybe it, it was something that came out of necessity. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in the very beginning that you know, you did open your business through survival. Can you tell me that story? Um, about the, uh, about how I started the company? Yes,
0: yes, yes. Well, I would say, you know, I was always trying to be um, a performing recording artist. That was my love. That was my goal. That was the one thing I was put on this earth to do, in my opinion. Um, and... I would, I would take lots of jobs in advertising, media buying, um, sort of my day job. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so I learned so much and thank God I did because I'm using all those skills and all that information in what I do today. I'm very informed in, in many different aspects because of, um, those jobs. So, um, what happened was, I was making enough money. I was working, you know, the day job. And I just was like, no, my spirit wants to sing and perform. So I quit those jobs and I was like, okay, all I'm going to do is perform and then put other performers out there to do so. And that's how I'm going to make my money. And I moved from a home with like three bedrooms. It was really nice. It wasn't fancy, but it was, you know, it was kind of expensive to prepare for the potential downturn of income, I moved my daughter and I to a one bedroom apartment. I called it a garden apartment. She calls it a basement apartment. And she had her bunk bed over my uh, queen bed. And that first year um, that I was officially in business, I had enough money, uh, as much as I had been making in advertising. Um, and then after it started growing and scaling, we actually stayed there for a couple of years because it was, it was really fun and I loved it. It was really a sweet
1: place. And this is in San Francisco, correct? This is in Alameda, which is just a little Alameda. island off San Francisco. Wow. Now, Natasha, what was one of your deepest motivation in life?
0: Yeah, I think the, the reality and the foundation of what drives me, what drives all the successes that I'm always clawing away at is that um, I needed to prove to uh, the people that knew me when I was little and growing up mm-hmm. that I was valuable and 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 valuable enough to be seen and heard, and um, it's never really gone away. Mm-hmm. But you know i had a really i had a really tough uh life growing up, and um I was supported very much by you know a big group of people and then i wasn 't supported very much by you know some other people and so i 'm always just like screaming you know look at me i 'm
1: I have validity mm-hmm. Have you seen some of your friends that made you feel that way um it wasn't really friends. It was,
0: you know, it was a family member. Mm -hmm. And um, I am not very much in touch with her. It's my mother. Um, I think my friends when I was little and growing up on 29th Street in Des Moines, I mean, I was always kind of the weirdo, right? I was playing the violin. I was singing. I was um, drawing on my walls. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I wasn't terribly athletic. Um, I never did what the the regular kids wanted to do in the neighborhood, so I think I was a little bit of the weirdo, and as it turns out, that was to my advantage, so I think they look at me now with a lot of pride and admiration. I do hear from them um, from time to time, so um, I'm really, I'm I'm happy in a sense
1: that I had so much to push against uh, to rise up. Yeah. I could totally relate to that. When you mentioned you have some members of your family that you wanted to prove, you know, yourself that you can do it. I actually have that one aunt that I, I thought like she never really believed in me. And over the years that really forced you to do so well because that was behind it. And, you know, two years ago I saw her and I, you know have a conversation with her and she opened up and she cried and I and I think it kind of made me feel like oh my god it's all the story in my head that I thought she never believed in me and now I'm hearing her side it actually frees me like it it was like I was like oh my god it it brought me to what I am now I'm stronger I built this company but like all along it's a story in my head that I thought was true Mm. but you know, we benefited from it at the same time. Right. 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 Yeah. And um, Natasha, what would be your advice to any aspiring entrepreneur? I've got great advice.
0: So, um, for the first long time, I thought I can do this all by myself. I don't need anyone's help. I don't need advisors. I don't need mentors. I don't need to go to school. I don't need to study. I'm just going to do this. Now, that's pretty scrappy. And it worked to my advantage. Well, did it work to my advantage? I don't know. It, I, I was okay for a while, but once I started dipping my toes into allowing people to advise me and guide me and um, attending different classes. So I did the um, Goldman Sachs 10 KSB at Babson College. That was five years ago. That just changed my life and really opened me up to um, all the things I didn't know, and all the things I wasn't doing right, um, or efficiently. And then um, I was already a member of EO at that time, but I wasn't really participating in the education. But just last year, um, I started my first year of the uh, entrepreneurial master's class at MIT. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my second year this year. And then also last year in November, I attended the EO version um, of entrepreneurial master's class at Harvard, and. All of those things, in addition to accepting help from mentors and advisors, have skyrocketed, catapulted, thrust my business into the stratosphere. So
1: if you're just starting, don't do what I did at the beginning. Do what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was your favorite? I actually went to the Harvard um, the very first year. Oh, you what did? Yeah. What was your favorite? Who's your I, lo-
0: I love the MIT program. Mm-hmm. It's more suited to me. Um, Harvard was brilliant and so much fun to be a part of their teaching. But they teach on the case study method, as you know, and that was a little tougher for me to get through um, and really absorb and and understand. Um, although I was lucky enough to be one of uh, the people that got to do the case study in front of everyone else. So that was like the saving grace for me uh, for really being able to appreciate that time there.
1: Wow. So did you pick the gestalt or non-gestalt advice or both? Um, You know, as a group, Mm -hmm. I can't remember
0: what we chose, but I think when you get 90 people from EO from all over the world, we're going to... Um, sort of rely on gestalt mm-hmm. right and i think the people at harvard were the ones that don't necessarily use that um
1: so i think as, as i recall it was mostly experiencing experience sharing yeah yeah wow i've heard a lo- great things about the mit program um
0: i really, highly
1: I recommend, recommend, recommend it, it is. yeah um, you're like everyone that went through that like really swear by it. Yeah. Wow. And, um, can you name a person who had had a tremendous impact on you as a leader? Yes. So many people, but
0: I would say the one person that sticks out in my mind currently is, um, a woman named Cindy Kazmarek. She, um, I got to meet her. First of all, she hired us um, to do something for her, um, just one or two times small t- you know small things in her home. Um, her husband is the CEO of AAA. But then I was matched with her as an advisor through Pacific Community Ventures, which everyone should look up. Uh, Pacific Community Ventures um, allows for advisors to be attached to business owners, and it's free. and they give up to five hours a month of uh, free advising. And back then, you know, I couldn't afford, you know, the $300, $350 an hour um, that somebody like her would charge. She really helped shape me, shaped me as um, my HR advisor, really got me thinking about culture, uh, what employees want, what to look for, how to write write a job description, um, really how to embody being a leader with your people, which, as I said earlier, is still one of my biggest challenges, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, she's just been a gem and such a great person to bounce ideas off. And, you know, she's definitely helped me in other ways with my business um, other
1: than HR. Wow. Wow. Think back to a time that you felt transform, and how did you change? transformation. I feel like I'm
0: getting, I'm going through transformations all of the time. I have like large aha moments. And a lot of times, I mean, my daughter, she's in the other room. I'll say, Oh my God, I can't believe that I got to do this, or I can't believe this happened to me. And I really embody and embrace and feel the joy of those turning points. And, you know, she's like, You're always having these like out of body aha moments. But I think, you know, that's important because for me, the journey of getting to wherever it is that I'm pointed to, I know now I'm 49 years old. I know uh, experientially that the the starting point and the journey to the end point, the journey is the most important and the most satisfying part. It's not getting there. That feels good. But then once you get there, you've got to do something else it's like feeding your addiction. (laughs) So the transformation um, I think that I'm making now, I'm finishing my memoir. It's a business memoir. And in doing so, I've discovered so many things about uh, myself and my life. I actually found out that I have a sister that I never knew about um, who's five years older than me. So that was crazy. But I've had to come to terms with some things that were probably keeping me back, and I may not have been able to face those things um, had I not went on the venture
1: of writing the book. Wow. How did you find out that you have a, what? Ha- tell me the story. Um, so the story is
0: um, that my mother had this baby girl named Nicole um, when she was 18, mm-hmm. and she never told we didn't we didn't know about this, but 20 years ago, my mother was going in for a surgery that um, she had stage four ovarian cancer and thought that she might die, right? Normal, right? You're going into a surgery, you have a stage four cancer. So she confided in one of my brothers that if something happens to her, to um, look for the sister if you wanted to. And gave him just a few little tidbits about who she is, like her name, where she was born, the date and such. Um, But then she came out of surgery and she's still alive today. My brother kept that secret for her. And so after I confided in my brothers that I was writing this memoir, because I felt like I needed their support Mm -hmm. or their, um, well, I needed their support. I didn't need their permission. Uh, But they started talking to me more fully about um life right we're very close but we're definitely on the surface close but now we're starting to talk deeper and talk about what it was like growing up and such so last year in april uh, one of my brothers said we have a sister and i everything in my body it was like blood boiling gurgling up i'm like i'm gonna find her and i'm gonna find her in 24 hours or less and so that was nine p.m. on a Saturday, and I found her at four thirty the next day. Wow! Um, I looked at all these adoption websites, and um, for people that are looking for their birth parents or birth siblings. So that was pretty exciting and crazy. Did you? Were you able to get a hold of her? Or? Yeah. So. Um, I feel like I'm really getting to know her. We talk on the phone, we email and and text a bit. I haven't met her in person. She lives in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, she was supposed to come out. Um, but she hasn't been able to. And now with this COVID situation, it'll be a little bit longer too.
1: Wow. Wow. Now what do you see as your place or purpose in life? Natasha?
0: Wow, that's a big question. I really thought my purpose was to perform and emote and and drive um, emotion from the listener. So I have seven CDs out uh, as a as a vocalist, and um, I really thought that was it. But what I look back and see is that that was really informing me of what I could do next. And what I was doing next was entire production. So I'm proud of that in so many ways. I've been able to employ quite a few people, um, have lots of successes. We're helping musicians and talent be paid for their craft. And if they're not paid anymore, you know, long-term, we might not have as many. And then we're really just delighting our clients and making them look good. So that to me was a great purpose. But I see now this entire productions is yet another um, experience that's informing me of my next steps. And what, what will those next steps be? I'm not quite sure, but I think this business memoir and helping other entrepreneurs is probably my next phase. So you're, you're talking to me right at the precipice of like the next wave.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what are you most grateful for?
0: Hmm. Every day on several occasions, I really take the time to just appreciate everything, like from the little things from, oh, these sheets feel amazing, by the way, amazing sheets from Bed Bath & Beyond, not very expensive, made out of beach, I cannot speak highly enough, Um, of the great sunshine, but really my daughter my daughter's 24. She moved back here after being gone for six years in college and in LA and Seattle. That relationship that I have with her and that I'm making even deeper really is the thing that I'm so thankful for. Um, I'm thankful for what I'm able to, to give and, and also, of course, I'm really thankful for what I'm able to receive. It's so much different than what I ever thought I would have. Mm. So I'm very grateful for the little things and uh, appreciate the thought and the idea and the um, possibility of the bigger things. Wow! And how do
1: you want to be remembered?
0: I would love to be remembered as being incredibly creative, um, very positive, and um, smart. I'd like people to think that I was smart. I'm not traditionally smart. However, I'm growing into my own intelligence and capabilities in a lot different way. And so who knows what the next 20, 40 years, what will happen?
1: Natasha, you're so smart and you're so shrewd. Why are you
0: saying you're not smart? <laughs> I mean, I am smart, but I mean, I had a hard time in school, but it wasn't because of, like I didn't have a learning challenge in that um you know, with a lot of people that have learning disabilities and challenges in that way. But I had to really fight for my life and and, uh, didn't have the support at home. So I wasn't able to know what I would be like in traditional school until I got older and was able to really support myself.
1: Wow. Wow. Well, your story is so powerful, Natasha. I (laughs) Yeah, that was really amazing. And where can they find you? What's your handle or how? Oh, is- yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, if you Google me, you'll get to see lots
0: of different things. Maybe some things I don't want you to see. But anyway, um, entireproductions.com is our website, natashamiller.co is my personal website, which has some of my music, my speaking, um, and some of my, um, other sort of side work outside of entire productions. I'm on Instagram as Natasha Miller SF and, um, also entire productions. And I mean, we're, we're all over social media. I actually love it quite a bit. Um, so reach out to me. I would love to connect with, um, your listeners and viewers.
1: Wow. Wow. You actually have a strong personal brand. I've been following you. Oh, good. Well, I'm working on it. <laughs> I yeah. want to
0: make sure it's authentic and it's really who I am and not overly mass marketed. You know, so there's that very fine balance of being yourself and authentic and your own brand. And then that fine, fine balance from then making it too commercial.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah if you if you listen to our previous episode with Shama Haider she really explained it so well without feeling guilty because it's hard for us women like you know we don't want it to be sound so vain or bragging but she really explained it so well yeah well I mean one
0: of the things I want to say I guess it looks like we're ending one of the things I want to say that's so important you'll hear me saying this more and more recently is that I own a profitable multi-million dollar company. Before, I was a little shy about saying that. Like, why would you boast about that? Well, I'll tell you what. It's empowering to other people to hear that as well, right? I don't want to live behind this facade of, oh, I just have this little business. It's pretty cool. No, I'm a female entrepreneur and I own a, uh, well, I did own a profitable multi multi-million dollar company, I will again. And this
1: downtime is nothing but a moment for growth. I love that. I really love that. Especially as women, we suffer the imposter syndrome and it's very difficult to get out that shell. Yep. Well, I'm out now. (laughs) I love it. So what was it? What was the turning point of being out that of like, I'm just going to, I have a small event company. What was that? I got support from other people. They're like, you own that. You go girl.
0: Like just, just say it out loud. And I thought, Oh, if I heard that from other people as I was coming up the ranks, I would have been given permission to say that a lot easier. And um, I mean, I'm proud of it. And I want, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty casual person. You know, I don't have, you know, I don't dress up ter- terribly much and you know what I don't look like somebody that's like st- like majorly successful. So when you don't have that facade necessarily, you have to do it in another way. Like I prefer to be comfortable rather than looking like all great and wearing stilettos. Like I just can't do that. Also, I broke my ankle seven years ago, so that's, it's over. But but being able to state that and state that with clarity and confidence, no one can take that away from me.
1: Wow. Is there some incident happen where they you know, can you tell me, is there any, like an incident where they ne- didn't take you seriously because how we look, is that something that happens? No, for-
0: I've never had, I've really never suffered um, from those kind of things. I've been pretty confident um, all my life um, and I have no problem talking to anybody. I've sung the national anthem, which is like a horrific song to sing a cappella in front of 40,000 people. Once you've done that, you can pretty much do anything. So if President Obama called me, I could have a like one-on-one direct conversation. I'd be fluttery in excitement, but I wouldn't be nervous because I know that I can have a great conversation with a
1: really smart, accomplished person as well. And I don't feel lesser than. That's just amazing. You're actually very inspiring, Natasha. Thank you. Yeah. I've I've been
0: following you too. So thank you for that. That means a lot coming from you.
1: No, I mean, like, you know, I have a lot of things
0: I can actually relate to you. Yeah. Good. I mean, I think a lot of us share, uh, especially female entrepreneurs, a lot of similar traits. Mm-hmm. Um, but perhaps
1: our stories have a little more alignment than others. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. That, that's, that was really inspiring. Thank you so much, Natasha. Thank you so much I'm for having so me. So honored for you to be here. In Good. The show. Thank you. All right, Natasha. Thank you and have a wonderful day. I love your story.
0: We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and visit KateHancock.com so you don't miss out on the next episode.